All right. Are we ready? We're ready. In three, two, one. Welcome to Deutero Cannons. I'm Byron, and with me as always is Justin. Party on, Justin. Party on, Byron. And this is going to be episode 23, uh, pre-recorded. And uh, push push the message out on Facebook. Um, man, like, we are just having some upload issues. If you guys care, uh, I think what it is is um, we have direct, uh, what do they call it? Wi-Fi direct out here. And so our antenna's on the ground. Which like, was, did, did they call that, like, I don't know, DSL, broadband? Something it gets beamed to us, right? Well, it's it's over the cell network, basically. Okay, yeah. So it's a directional antenna, and they put the antenna on the ground, which was fine in like October. <laughs> but I think now that there's all this vegetation, we've lost line of sight, and uh, we just need to elevate the antenna. Probably a lot of more information that people want to know. I think what people realize at home is that they've been trying to watch us or or the normal church service, and it just cuts out like episodically for about ten seconds at a time, and I hate it. So, <laughs> so we're recording video and then we're also recording audio and we'll post both and, uh, you know, it'll be unedited, um, but just not live. So that being said, if you're on Facebook, wait, you're not going to edit at all. I'll add a title, a title song or something. But what if I mess up? <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> edit as required. So if you're watching this on Facebook after the fact, please like, share, and comment. Uh, but understand this isn't a live stream now. And then it'll be up on the normal podcast uh, network. So subscribe, rate, and comment. Give us five stars. If you're not giving us five stars, don't bother. And, of course, that will, like, via algorithms and such, I guess that broadens our reach, I'm told. Feed the algorithm. Yes, feed it. And so tonight let's get into our topic. So tonight's topic is entitled Biblical Leadership um, or something like that. But we'll go with that for now. So, uh, here's, here's where this comes from. You know, I better take a drink of water too, cause I'm about to do a whole bunch of talking. <laughs> so we'll be looking primarily tonight at Titus two, six through eight, but then also a whole bunch of other stuff. So if you want to like start turning over there, mm-hmm. go for it. You know, it's easy to miss Titus. It really is. I've had to like, you know go back and forth a couple times because it's it's so small but it's also it's a good it's a good read and it's a short read if you want to read the whole thing yeah it's like a page i did it again one page and like an eighth yeah so we're talking about leadership and so here here's where some of this is coming from some of this is actually coming from i believe is a sermon you taught where you read this through this area and you were talking about women and uh six through eight specifically stuck out to me uh because it talks about leading young men and of course that's my every day and so I thought that was pretty interesting. And so uh, um, specifically, though, this week I've been um, I started a new job and I've been doing my initial counseling for my subordinates. And so in, in the military, the way it's supposed to work is you get and I, I'm assuming kind of this is how it is in most jobs. You get a new person. And the first thing you do is we call initial counseling. That's where you sit down and kind of give them your expectations from them for them and what they can expect from you. And uh, I've started doing mine. Um, a little bit differently because one of the things that we have, I'm sure you guys do too, is we have yearly evaluations. Do you guys get a periodic evaluation? Yeah, 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 we do. Okay. 
And so the way our system is supposed to work is you get a counseling quarterly and then every year you get what we call, uh, well, an evaluation report. So for an officer, it's an OER. For an NCO, it's an NCOER. And so the thing about that, though, is your evaluation is performance review. That's not professional development, you know? Sure. Unfortunately, uh, what tends to happen, though, is there's a lot of guys who don't really get any feedback until 365 days has passed and all of a sudden they're finding out that they're like not good at their job or something. Okay. Right? And so by our, our system, soldiers are supposed to get counseled monthly and then NCOs and officers are supposed to be counseled quarterly. And that's professional development. That's not performance review. That That is where we bump steer you to do the things that we want you to do as a leader. And that's the thing is it's all about leadership. And so there are different attributes and competencies that are being evaluated, but at the end of the day, it's all leadership. And so I've been doing my initial counseling this week, and so I thought it might be up appropriate to talk a little bit about leadership. So that being said, first question. Actually, let's read Titus 2. Sure. So let's read Titus 2, and we'll actually just read 1. We'll just read 1 <clears throat> through uh, 15, and why don't you go ahead and do the honors. Okay. Yeah. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, uh, not to steal from them, but to show them that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Okay. So I think that's all good stuff. But like I said, I want to kind of focus on what it talks about there, particularly as it pertains to leading young men, but we'll talk about old men also. And so again, we're talking about leadership and, uh, you know, I'm in the military and I, I feel like, um, as, as an institution, the military should like kind of corner the market on leadership. Like we should be the subject matter experts. And it's funny cause I've talked to guys before in the military who think that the corporate world does it better than we do. Excuse me. I know, um, you know, Rommel said the thing about Americans the thing that, that's difficult about, about fighting in their Americans is that we don't know our, know our own doctrine. I think that is real. That is true in a lot of cases. And I think when it comes to leadership, this is one of those that it's, it's also somewhat true because again, we have doctrine, we have manuals on leadership, you know, and you can have conversations about, you know, how much of leadership is, is like, uh, inherent to the individual and how much can be taught. Uh, I tend to think, you know, it's a little bit of both. I think there are people that are just naturally born to be leaders, but then there are people like it can be developed if we just, uh, we're better at it. 
And so we have a lot of good doctrine and, and, and a lot of good publications that talk about leadership. And so that being said, like, I, I guess I kind of fancy myself like a student. I've been a student of leadership for 20 years now. And so, uh, like, it's something I'm, I'm pretty passionate about and, and kind of excited to talk about. And so, um, so there's going to be that little bit of, of twist to it, I suppose, or that's kind of my, 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 one of the lenses I'm looking at this through. And so one of the things I want to do is start off by asking you a question that I got to ask, I got asked, um, man, probably midway through my career. So, so at this point, um, you know, I had been exercising leadership, but hadn't really ever thought of like the theory maybe behind it. Okay. Right. And so we have what's called professional, professional military education, right? So you have different developmental educations you're supposed to go through throughout your career. And so at, in this, this particular level, we call it the advanced leader course. Uh, we were talking about army leadership. And so the question that my instructor asked was, and I'm going to ask you, what can you make someone do? And so we'll say like as an mm -hmm. adult, what can you make, what can you as an adult make another adult do? Man. Um, nothing yeah that's that's the answer the answer is nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting that you got to that a lot quicker than we did because there was a lot of back and forth on like well you can make like you have to pay taxes like nothing's certain in life except death and taxes you know and so we, we went through a number of things like that and he was basically like but can you like do people have to pay their taxes well yeah if they don't they'll go to jail yeah but i mean like so, they, they didn't pay their taxes, so, so it's just like punishment. Right, right. Like they're going to go to jail, so they still didn't pay their taxes, right? Right. Well, I mean, then the government just like garnishes wages and, you know, the government gets the money, but then it's not really taxes, it's levies. Right, so, so. At, the, at the end of the day, they didn't choose to pay their taxes, right? Yeah, I think theoretically taxes are voluntary. Theoretically. I would say theoretically, just about everything is voluntary, you know? So, like, I think one of the things we said is, like, um, somebody, well, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll say this. One of the things I envision as we're talking about this, too, is, like, think of the level, the level of resistance we've seen in world, throughout world history to things. I mean, there's a very famous picture from the Vietnam era of a man, a, a, what was that, like a Buddhist monk who set himself on fire. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I've seen that. Like, you don't even have to live. Nobody can make you live, I guess, right? Like, what, whatever whatever they were prescribing, he wasn't having it, and he decided to just punch out yeah. in, like, the worst way. Yeah, like, I would say that, that that is the topic of a lot of dystopian literature, though, is um, the, uh, the, the mechanisms or the technology of... Um, scientific manipulation mm -hmm. so that they're like, like like manufacturing consent maybe i should say that okay um i mean 1984 is is like that like if you follow the, the story of winston smith there yep um that that really is all about like you know how do we make this guy and by extension anybody who is an outlier mm -hmm. do do what we say and want to do it right um but in actuality i, I don't think that we're we're there yet Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I guess you, you, when you think about that, like may, maybe there's an argument there because if, if that, that, um, fiction became a reality, 
you know, and they strapped a cage to your face with your worst nightmare in it. You know, yeah. with him, it was rats. Right. And, and as a result, uh, they make you, you know, loyal to big brother. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could even argue that in that situation, there was an element of choice though. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I would say that I think that it, it undergirds your, your point, like saying you really can't make anybody do anything. And because you can't really make anybody do anything, it would make sense that that, that would be of great interest to some. Correct. And I would say that if you go back to like the behaviorist psychologists, like, like BF Skinner, mm -hmm. that, or, or Pavlov, like that's what they were trying to figure out. Like, can we make people do stuff that they don't want to do? Well, I would sub submit that this should be something that we are all interested in doing is getting people to do things because I think this is essential to leadership. It's what leadership is. Right. So you're talking about, about, you know, leadership and, and they're, they're like, there's a difference between like leadership and manipulation, right? Whether that manipulation be uh, like psychological or physiological or, mm -hmm. or, or what have you, like you're talking about actually um, by example, instilling a set of admirable desires. Correct. But I mean, also, right, like what depends what we call manipulation, right? Like if I say to my children, clean your room or I'm going to spank you, mm -hmm. is that manipulation? Well, manipulation carries a, a, a negative connotation. And I guess there would be those who, who would say that that that, that is. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that there's probably a difference, not necessarily... A difference but often a difference between manipulation and just discipline right so let me throw this at you because I think this will kind of answer the mail on what we're talking about so again in the military leadership is, is part of our doctrine and so one of the things you do as a young soldier is uh, generally this might be part of like uh, an academic setting or more more than like more than likely part of like a promotion board so uh, again I don't know that this happens anywhere else in the world but one of the things that happens when <clears throat> when we're going up for promotion is part part of that uh, process is you will go and stand before a board for younger soldiers. It's it's all the first sergeants in a battalion and the battalion sergeant major, right? Uh, higher up, when you get higher up in rank, it, it's a centralized board. And it's all like a paperwork shuffle. But going to a, a standing before a board is it's kind of a an institution, and I think in a lot of ways it's a good one. And so you go mm -hmm. before the board in your uniform. You're answering general knowledge questions. You're answering job specific questions. And so one of the questions that's often asked is, what's the definition of army leadership? Okay. Okay. And so according to AR 6-22, let me see if I can memorize it, if I can rattle it off because they changed it. It used to be the process. I think now they're calling it the activity. So what I'm going to go with what I know. The process of influencing others to accomplish mission by providing purpose, direction, motivation. Wait, sorry. The process of providing, the process of influencing others by providing purpose, direction, and motivation while operating, by, while accomplishing the mission and improving the organization. Man, I, I really butchered that. <laughs> but anyways, the verb in that sentence, and this was the, the point of my instructor, right? His whole point was the verb in that sentence is influence, influence. right? And so that was like, for me, oh, man, I just maxed this out. <laughs> that was a, that, that was a, that kind of blew my mind, right? Because when we think about the military, we tend to think about, sir, yes, sir, right? A bunch of people having to do well, well you have to do what they say because it's the army right uh but even the army acknowledges that although that is a form of leadership it's like not the preferred way of leading yeah and so 
let me kind of get into that because again this is this is kind of stuff i talk about all the time and so ultimately again the verb is influence because you can't make anybody do anything at the end of the day they're choosing to submit to your influence right Mm -hmm. so even as a, a a soldier in the military where i can uh i can outrank somebody either with by positional authority so maybe we have the same rank but by virtue of my position i'm i'm in charge or literally by virtue of rank right so if i'm a master sergeant like sergeants first class and staff sergeants and set etc everything below me like they have to do what i say because i i have the rank and they do not right in fact with officers like by law they have command right and that's a big deal so by law they have command and so ultimately they are deciding whether or not to delegate authority to people and allow them to do things on their behalf. And that, so that's why a lot of times, like, uh, you know, they'll, they'll say, like, um, what, what is it that we usually say? Like, you might be in charge, but you're not responsible. Because at the end of the day, like, who, okay. whose head is going to roll when this goes wrong, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a lot of things that go into this whole thing, like trust and communication stuff. But there, there's one thing in particular I want to talk about. But let me talk about this influence thing, right? So in the military, we have two types of influence. We have direct influence, which we call person to person, and then you have indirect indirect means of influence. And so if you think about person to person, direct influence, I mean, like, what, what do you think that is? Person to person, direct influence, like actually talking to somebody and say, hey, this is what you need to do. Yep. So that's that's kind of the stereotypical, again, like Roger Sergeant, yes, sir. Like, I'm issuing, I'm giving you a direct order and you will do it you will discharge it to the best of your abilities. That's direct person-to-person influence, right? But then we have indirect means of influence. And so uh, one of the things I'm trying to impart on my guys is that even though you might have a relationship where you have direct influence, you have person-to-person, a person-to-person leadership situation with your subordinates, you would be better served to exercise your indirect means of influence uh, because at the end of the day, when somebody chooses to, to submit to your influence, it falls on a spectrum between compliance and commitment. And so, like, again, you, you have students, right? Which would you prefer? That they are merely complying with your, your orders? Or would you like them to, like, commit to the cause? Yeah, the, the educational jargon word for that is engagement. Okay. Yeah, and and so that's that's a conversation that that we have. It's it's a conversation that that I had with um with with I guess at the time my assistant principal mm-hmm. uh like she'd come in and you know kind of do the the observation which you know there's observation cycles for our evaluations kind of like you were talking about um and early on she was saying, "Well, you know like you have control of the classroom like they're being compliant Mm -hmm. but like we need to work on engagement okay you know so there's more like student activity and what they would call in the educational realm um ownership okay but yeah it's that's actually really good it goes right into something else i want to talk okay yeah yeah yeah, go for it no no please finish okay so so that's that's something that i that I started working on Mm -hmm. and, and I, I, I mean, uh, I'm I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but like I've learned some, some ways of increasing engagement, Mm -hmm. like 
one of them is, is eye contact. Okay. You know, like just that being an expectation okay. early on, like this is, this is what we do. Um, like we, we look at each other, like, like when I'm speaking, you look at me when, when you're speaking and I look at you mm-hmm. and, and I also, um, you know, you, you were talking about like direct influence. So of course I have rank mm-hmm. in the classroom, but that, that doesn't always matter to kids. Right. And so I, I try to let that take a, a back seat. Yeah. So I say that like anytime that I speak, you look at me and you listen, but it's not because I'm a teacher and I'm an adult. Mm-hmm because I'm a person right like I'm gonna do that for you because you're a person okay and I don't know it's it's been pretty successful well you know the thing about that and, like and I try to not pull rank unless I absolutely have to you well, know and so again this this feeds right into a lot of things again that I say to, to my guys to my soldiers right and so um, man like I, I one, of, one of the things I tell my guys <laughs> is when we talk about professionalism uh, it's, we, you know, I say, know your operational environment, know your audience, right? Mm-hmm. Interpersonal attack. There's a lot of, like, again, a lot of things that I'd love to talk about when I have time to, but one of the things I tell them with professionalism is like, you know, know when to be John and when to be Sergeant Smith. And so there is that, there is a situation sure, yeah. where, look, I would prefer to use my indirect means of influence, but sometimes like, you know, the hammer's going to fall. Right. And so, uh, in the, again, in the army, one of the things they talk about here with, with, with indirect means of influence is, is, uh, sorry. The application of that looks a lot like diplomacy, negotiation, mediation, arbitration, partnering, conflict resolution, consensus building, and coordination. And so with all that, like uh, another aspect of this is is kind of what you're talking about there where it's like, uh, well, one of the conversations I've been having with my guys lately is it's like uh, keeping people motivated and leading people when you know you're going somewhere and you have purpose. And, and, and what I'm speaking referring to specifically is we're coming out of an era of being in very kinetic conflicts. And so it's easy to get guys motivated about that, but how do we get guys motivated in an era where things are kind of slowing down, you know? And so part of that is you're trying to build commitment by, by understanding that they're part of something bigger. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I don't know if that necessarily applies, applies to students, but at the same time, there's a little bit of this, like, man, like sometimes it annoys me when everybody, when people want to always know why we're doing something, but at the (laughs) same time, like if we want them to commit, we kind of owe them that Mm -hmm. because, because I said so doesn't work forever. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and really everything that you've been saying, there are pretty clear correlations to teaching. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Well, like I said before, right in the military NCOs are the teachers, right? Where so I think, I think we probably have a lot of in common in that regard. And so to go back to, again, to the point you just made, um, again, one of the things I realized when, when he said that is even, even soldiers that work for me, particularly in a volunteer army, like they're there by choice and, you know, at some point, like they don't have to do what I say. Um, and, and in fact, if you think about it historically, we almost encourage that. Like if somebody's giving you an unlawful order, you have a duty not to do that thing. And, and in that situation, like you not only do you have not have commitment, you don't even have compliance and you're, you, you, you completely lack influence, you know? But the other thing is in the modern era, a lot of what we do in the places we go, we are working alongside and with uh, and or for people who don't have to do what we say technically, particularly with some of the partners that we have, right? Um, and that's not to say that you can't get them to res- do what you do what you want. Like it's not to say you can't get to a place where you can tell you can tell them go do this thing. 
because you can, it, it, but that involves building that influence, building that rapport. But then there's other things where, again, if I'm, I'm working with a sister service or another nation, you know, even with our NATO partners, like we're supposed to treat their officers as though they're our officers and vice versa. So if we go somewhere and the Brits and the French work for us, we might have direct influence. We might have the ability to have person-to-person authority over them, but we would be better served if we're exercising our indirect means of influence, mm-hmm. right? And so all that to say, uh, again, the verb in that sentence is leadership. And, and, and so I guess this is... Influence. The, right, influence. And so the, the, the thing I was going to point out that you had said is, I've said this before, um, nobody can make anybody do anything to include living up to their own potential. Like they have to choose to do that. And so... Uh, man, call it what you want. Like, <laughs> what do we say? Manipulation, coercion, influence. Ultimately, as a leader, like that's what I'm trying to get people to do. And like, you know, we've talked about this with kids, where, like, I really wish my kids were more <laughs> passionate about school. And so I think a lot of times uh, we are operating maybe in the compliance realm. And and I wish we weren't. Mm-hmm. And, and and as as parents, which I think we're leaders as parents, uh, and then certainly ultimately where this is going is application in the church, right? Like that's, that's what we're looking for is we're looking for people to live up to their full potential, you know, as children of God. Right. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, another word on, on the, uh, the compliance issue, I, I guess, especially as it relates to kids. I mean, that's compliance is kind of where you have to start. Yeah, for sure. You know, and because, the, the higher levels of, I, I guess, engagement, if you will, um, those are, I think, more um, abstract. Mm-hmm. And because they're abstract, they're not always developmentally appropriate. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're dealing with people who are not like physiologically mature. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you, you just have to kind of like consider the task and consider um, the the people involved in the task. And it's like, well, okay, like what level of understanding of the goal here is, is appropriate? Yeah. And to what extent do I need them to understand the goal to reach it? Well, you know, and I'm sure it varies by, by kid, but you know, like last week or the week before we were talking about how we, we feel, we both agree that kids are capable of much more at a much younger age. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess going the other way with that, it surprises me. So on the one hand, we have folks that think that kids are incapable of doing things uh, at a younger age, but then they're perfectly willing to try and reason, explain things to them yeah. at a, a young age. Like, <laughs> right. you know, now listen, you cannot put your hand on that stove because you will get burnt. And the kid's like, you know, just like picking its nose. It doesn't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, you know, and so, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. So next thing. So again, primarily the the, the kind of the, the target verses we're talking about here is six through eight, and so, well, mostly seven is what I want to talk about right now. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good, and your teaching show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech, so on and so forth. So I want to talk about this idea of setting an example, because no surprise one of the tenets of army leadership, so one of the competencies by which we're evaluated is leads by example. 
So let me uh, not read this yet. Okay. So why would you think leading by example would matter? What else is there? <laughs> I mean, I, I know that I know there, there, there are other things, but there are other things. Like if you're not leading by example, the other things don't have a place. What do the other things look like? Well, I mean, just like do what I say. Mm-hmm. You know, d- do what I say, I think, carries a lot more weight. There, there's a lot more validity there if there's also example. Right. Um, but if it's only do what I say, like, a you know, do what I say, not what I do mm-hmm. type of deal. I mean, like that's, you know, it's it's hypocritical. It's it's not very persuasive. It's, it's not very um, attractive. Um, and, and there's, there's some wording to that effect mm-hmm. here in, here in Titus yep. chapter two, you know, talking about slaves, like obey in such a way that it makes following God mm-hmm. attractive. Yeah. So, um, okay. So like, you know, I don't know what's, what's a chore Ellie has feeding the dogs. Okay. So I'm assuming kind of routinely every once in a while you just walk up and you're like ellie go feed the dogs yeah right yeah wow. so, sometimes she, she does it on her own mm-hmm. sometimes she takes uh <laughs> so sometimes she will uh kind of take on more than she should and start doing mm-hmm. chores that she really needs help with right so it's like like i really i'm thankful you know for, for those times where she is taking initiative mm-hmm. even if it's maybe a little bit foolish or, or ill-advised right um but yeah f- feeding feeding the dogs feeding the chickens hooking up the goats for us so we can feed them right i mean and i guess this might be the, not be the best example because i guess i'm assuming at some point you modeled that behavior for her though yeah for like a whole year right so i mean are there any things in your job where you're telling students to do things and you're not necessarily doing them also you know, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, man, not to cast any aspersions on any teachers who don't do this. But, I don't know, I started thinking several years back that, okay, so what do you think kids hate the most about language arts class? Writing. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I probably didn't even need to ask mm-hmm. that question for the most part, most kids hate writing. Mm-hmm. And like, like I, I try to get this out of the way early on. Like I tell them, hey, if you hate writing, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You're not weird. I don't think you're a bad person. I don't think you're stupid. I was that way too. Yeah. I hated writing. I actually tell them that I probably hated writing worse than they did. Mm-hmm. I got all the way to college. Like I, I don't think I was a good writer until like my senior year of college. Right. So I, I get it, whatever they think about writing and, and why it is that they dislike it so viscerally, like, <laughs> like I, I can, I can appreciate that. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so if kids are like this, what, what do we do about it? I write too. Right. Um, that's especially the case when we, when I have them write poetry mm-hmm. cause they especially hate that. Yeah. And I get it. I was an English major in college and hated poetry. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't into it at all until, like I said, like probably senior year yeah. or so. And, and that's a whole other story, how, how that 
how that sort of sprung upon me. But like, I, 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 I try to, as much as possible when I make them write, I try to write too, and I share my writing with them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like that's a lead by example thing because I, I really think that it can be demoralizing if the kids are just, you know, slogging away, getting writer's cramp. Right. And like the teacher is just like grading papers or mm-hmm. chilling out or just like walking around, like looking at them or something. Like if, if a kid is writing and looks up and sees that I'm writing too. Yep. Like the kid might still hate it, but at least like, like, like I'm, I'm in there, like, like I'm in the trenches with him, so to speak. Well, and so I, here, here's my point with this. Uh, and I absolutely agree with everything you say, right? Because again, one of the things we'll say in the military is RHIP rank hath its privileges. <laughs> okay. And so, I think the best way to like get behavior that you want is to model that behavior. I do think there that there's a room there is room for rank hath its privileges, okay? I'm perfectly willing to clean sure. clean bathrooms and take out trash. But uh like we have new guys and they also need to get that experience. So then one day they can say new guy take out the trash. And so um the way the world should work is that emblem on my chest represents that I've done my time taking out the trash. Sure. Right. But you can only ride that wave so far. So the kids might look at Mr. Adams and be like, well, Mr. Adams isn't writing cause he did a whole bunch of writing in college. So he gets a pass, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like it really will go a long way. If every once in a while you pick up the pencil and do a little writing. Right. So yeah. man, like, I don't, and, and, and there are pieces that, that we will actually collaborate on. Like, like we will write it together sort of all at the same time. Right. So again, even though by every, I mean, it's almost sound like Paul, right? Like rights of the apostle, right? Like for all intents and purposes, I don't need to take out another, I never need to take out the trash again as, as far as the army's concerned. But man, it would probably do a lot if I did, you know? And so uh, let me read you this. So one of the, Again, one of the competencies that we are evaluated on is leads by example. So it says this. Leads by example. Leaders serve as role models. They maintain standards and provide effective examples through their actions. All Army leaders should model the Army values. Which, by the way, if, if for those who don't know, which is, I'm sure is a lot of people watching this, the Army values are an acronym that spells leadership. We're missing some vowels, though. <laughs> Loyal, loyalty, duty, respect selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. Like, and we, we've been talking about respect and how that's important. Right. And like, so we can see how we build respect by modeling good leadership. Right. So modeling provides tangible evidence of desired behaviors and reinforces verbal guidance through demonstration of commitment and action. And so, I mean, like, think about that idea. What I want is commitment. And so what I do is I demonstrate commitment Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I guess let's, let's kind of turn back to this passage. When I read through this, um, I have, I have two, two marked here specifically. What does it say there? It says, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith in love and endurance. Um, there's part of me that has to wonder like maybe do do I as a Christian and as a soldier draw this correlation because it's a social construct from and, and a byproduct of uh, Christianity Christianity which is an extension of white supremacy. You know, it's really hard to associate anything that came from first century Palestine with 
um, people who come from not there. <laughs> right. Right. So could it also just be possible that being a leader who leads by example, that being, that being good leadership is just true? Well, sure. Right. Yeah. And, and there's been a lot of work done to, to that, to that effect. There's a, uh, there's a book by, um, Aldous Huxley, which, uh, Aldous Huxley is the guy who wrote a brave new world, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, dystopian fiction. But, uh, th- this, this piece that he wrote, uh, called the perennial philosophy is, so it, it's not at all a, a Christian work, but it's, it's looking at the world's world religions and philosophies looking for that, which is common across all. Mm-hmm. And so like, like I don't, it, I, so I'm reading it through it through a Christian lens and I'm, and I'm saying, okay, like there are things that are true in other cultures and there are things that are true in other religions, but they don't have the way, the truth, the life. Right. But like, I think that there can be some value in recognizing, you know, I guess wisdom mm-hmm. that, um, has been preserved in, in different cultures. So yeah, like what makes good leadership? Like that's, that's transcendent, right? Like that doesn't have anything to do with any particular, uh, race, ethnicity, religion, e- even, even historical era, you know, it's, it's, if it's transcendent, it's timeless. If it's true, it's true. So, um, but do you think there's anything to this? Cause I'm wondering if, if what, Paul is saying to Titus here is somewhat groundbreaking, particularly since Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons, right? Like if this is, although I'm not saying it ceases to be true because it, it, it works because it's true. But do we maybe take for granted that leaders leading by example, like, uh, you know, I, I, I often say like our, in our military, like our officer corps is pretty blue collar, you know, but there was a time where, they, these were guys from higher society and there was very much an element of these are the gentlemen and we're, we're the, the peasants or, yeah. or, or, or what have you. And so, um, again, I, I think we might take for granted that, uh, having a leader that kind of, uh, maybe has an attitude of servant leadership or whatever has not always been the norm, you know? Well, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I will say though, well, I mean, t- two things that might seem contradictory, on the one hand, like I, I completely agree with you. Like we're, we're standing on the shoulders of thousands of years of the world's best thinkers. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, going back to the best of the Greek philosophers, um, you know, Judaism, Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there really is a stark contrast between the things that that these thinkers produced and what what other cultures have also produced. Yeah. So, um, and, and that comes through like I, last week I, w- I was reading a book, um, written by Justin Martyr and it was an appeal that he wrote, you know, in the second century AD to the Roman emperor at the time, mm-hmm. uh, which was a defensive Christianity. And he was like saying, okay, you know, you should really stop persecuting us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, it's a brilliant piece. Like, like I, I need to let you borrow it after yeah. I get done with it. It's not very long. Um, but then on the other hand, th- there, there, there has been going back all the way to like the Epic of Gilgamesh, which I've been listening to this week, where there's a recognition of 
a capricious leader, Gilgamesh, like being capricious mm-hmm. and and needing to be called out. So there there was um, a recognition that this leader, this strong leader, this heroic leader, uh, w- was was wrong. So if if they could recognize that this great hero Gilgamesh was wrong about X, Y, and Z, then there then there must be some sort of transcendent moral standard, mm-hmm. leadership being a part of which. Yeah. That people across all times have been able to recognize. Yeah. Well, so part of what I'm trying to, I guess, get parse out here when I read through this, because here in the first, the beginning we have, we talk about the older men, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith and love and in endurance. And so it's almost like we're trying to, he, 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 what he's doing is he's telling Titus, you need to set up a model where people are going to look up to the older men mm-hmm. and respect them and want to be like them. And I guess, you know, I, I've heard people... A functional hierarchy. Well, right. But, but I, I, I mean, I guess, and, and is that because that didn't already exist? Because there's a lot of people that, that will suggest that, um, I mean, I've, I've had, had folks tell us this before. Like, we had a briefing where a woman kind of called us out as Americans on this, and this is in, in a cultural, uh, it was a briefing on, on cultural awareness. And, and she's talking about the difference in views of the elderly in the U.S. versus other societies, and how other societies tend to respect their elders, whereas we we don't. And I and I think there's some truth to that. Sure. But if we're reading this, is Titus being told to mentor the older men to be role models because they already are, or is that was that an issue in Crete? You know that that that's a good question. You know, it, it could probably go both ways. On the one hand. Maybe that didn't exist and he needed to start it. Yeah. On the other hand, if you don't, like, if something has been started, if something is established, if you don't intentionally pass it on to the next generation, mm-hmm. then it doesn't get passed on to the next generation. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, that whether it was established or not, like, you still kind of have to say the same thing. Right. I mean, just, just like in the army, I mean, they don't have to, like, you're not having to teach soldiers the doctrine because there isn't doctrine already. Uh-huh. You're having to teach the soldiers the doctrine because there is a doctrine and you want it to continue. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, so, again, the verses that I'm particularly interested in because, again, I work with young men every day, and so when I read this, I'm like, man, this is, it's just true, right? Encourage young men to be self-controlled and everything set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Which, this sounds a lot like the verses we talked about a couple weeks back when we're talking about those Bible stories and the, the whole, the idea of, of these young kids doing these things and, and, and these leaders praising God because of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. we do right so that nobody can find fault in us. Um, but then in this situation here, you know, I just wonder, like, is this something, I, I feel like this is probably something that both genders, uh, appeals to both genders, but is there something about young men where, they need to see somebody, they're going to respond to somebody who sets the right example. And maybe currently the older men aren't doing that. And so Titus, a young man, I assume, uh, has to model that for both <laughs> both age ranges. Like, I guess, what, mm-hmm. what, are, what are your thoughts or understandings of, like, the dynamics in Crete, particularly as it pertains to Titus's age? Well, when I think of Paul writing, I mean, of course, he was writing to, to younger men. But I haven't thought about Titus's age in the same way that I've taught, thought about, say, Timothy's. Right. Because that's what I think of. And I, I, I always, because right. I know he calls Titus his son. So I guess I assumed he was also, I mean, he's at least younger than Paul, I suppose, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's younger. Um, 
But you know that the thing that comes up to every single demographic that he's talking about here is self-control. Yes. Like the older women need self-control. Yep. The older men need self-control. Mm -hmm. So once the older women have self-control, they need to teach the younger women self-control. Mm -hmm. And the older men need to teach the younger men self-control. It's like self-control, self-control, self-control. Right. I it's almost like modeling provides tangible evidence of desired behaviors and reinforces guidance through demonstration of commitment and action. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about this when I was teaching the, uh, um, the, the, the younger guys, like the elementary age fellows, which I, maybe Misty was in here too. Yeah, yeah, because she didn't have any other kids except LA that morning. We were going over uh, like the Ten Commandments and and I was having the kids think of examples of um, people in the Bible who broke them. Mm -hmm. uh, when we were especially looking at honor your father and mother. Right. It's like, okay, so who did that and who didn't do that? And like, what did that look like? And then we went to the, the fruits of the spirit to kind of compare that. And it's like, if you have self-control, it seems like all, all the rest follow. Mm -hmm. You know, so that that's a, a really good one to focus on. So, man, like there's so many things I want to say. <laughs> so one of the things it talks about on here when it talks about character, again, this is my army form. It says discipline, which I think we could kind of roll into self-control, right? Discipline, mm -hmm. control of one own, one's own behavior according to the army values, right? Okay, so whatever. We can take that out. But the idea of controlling your behavior, like it, it really is. It's It's kind of, I don't know, I guess maybe centric to a lot of this. And I guess kind of what my point is here, though, is, so let's say we are in a situation, a Timothy or a Titus, where I'm a young man and I'm trying to exercise my influence on these people uh, so that they'll do God's will. Um, and so just like you said, like this idea of modeling behavior and setting an example, like it's transcendent, right? It transcends time. But I think it also transcends like demographics. It, it transcends sure. age. And I think that's what we're seeing here because, I mean— Man, I'll tell you, like, here's a good example of this. Um, you know, well, shoot, you've probably seen this yourself, like being a young man in an old man's game, let's say. Uh, Jessica, when we first got married, we moved down to Georgia, and she had a degree in early childhood development. That was, like, a requirement in the north where we lived. And we came down here, and uh, when we were living in Georgia, uh, she applied for a job at a daycare, and uh, it was mostly kind of like a nice-to-have, right? But a lot of ladies that worked there didn't have any type of degree. Um, but by virtue of the fact that she had this training, uh, she was put in charge. And so as like a 22-year-old girl, I'll say, young lady, she had 40-year-old women working for her. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult because it, it was this whole, like you, this, this whippersnapper is going to tell us how to watch <laughs> yeah. children. Yeah. Right? But I think... And I've said before, right? Like when you're using good examples, use somebody else. When you're using bad examples, use yourself. So here we go, right? I think one of the great characteristics about my wife is that everywhere she goes, she sets a good example. Mm -hmm. And people like that end up kind of eating their words and, and just looking dumb because, because they're riding the wave of being old, right? Whilst not setting a good example. And she's able to, you know, cut through all that by not just talking about it, but being about it, whatever yeah. that she, it is that she's saying, you know. And so I think there really is something to the idea of this. Because, again, like, 
we talked about Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. Because kind of like he says here, uh, those opposed you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about you. Because at the end of the day, like, what is that? Well, you're, you're just, you're young. Like, and? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and that's the worst that you've got. Well, that's, that's so good because just like the, the scriptures often do, it, it cuts mm-hmm. two ways. I mean, because it, on the one hand, it, um, it doesn't give, I mean, it, it delegitimizes somebody against the young person mm-hmm. using the youngness as a cudgel, right. you know, uh, against them. But then it doesn't give the the young one any leeway. It doesn't let the young one off the hook. Right. You know. Yep. So like it's a two edged sword. You know, it, it cuts. Yeah. It cuts both ways. Like, like being that's a young what's is so brilliant about it. Being young is also not an excuse for the young person. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right? It's like like whether you're young or whether you're old. Like you're supposed to be self controlled and do good stuff. And, and so the thing about it too is we do have balance because at the end of the, at the end of the day, Titus is supposed to be modeling behavior for the old and the young, right? And so you could see where somebody would get a little pious and self righteous and, and being able to like lecture these old men, right? But one of the verses it references here is First Timothy five one. It says, "Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort mm-hmm. him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity." And so. It's this idea because, again, what he's trying to do is he's trying to establish this system where the young men respect the old men and the old men are people worthy of respect. And that's that's his function. And the way that he's able to make that happen is by modeling appropriate behavior. Yeah, l- leading by example. Leading by example. Um, and, and so I would suggest, too, that in, in that situation where I'm, as a young man mentoring well mentoring either of these demographics like again that's that's this indirect means of influence that I'm, that I'm talking about where i mean i don't know does titus have authority sure like i i would assume as as a like rights of an apostle maybe right and so even though he might have the ability to have this direct influence it seems like, again, he's better served exercising his indirect means of influence to get these people to model Christ the way that we're supposed to. Yeah, so uh, if, if you if you look at the verbs used in chapter 2, you've got teach, teach, mm-hmm. teach, right, and encourage. Man, that, that, that's interesting. You've got teach, 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 encourage, and then teach um the ones he's supposed to encourage are the young men Mm -hmm. everyone else it says to teach right like i I wonder if that's significant what 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 do you think yeah i mean because i i mean i guess i would say it is right because again this is this idea of getting somebody to live up to their full potential right i'm not like because yeah you're like he's not commanding he's not directing he's not ordering you know, he, he's teaching. And, and I think modeling behaviors is, is inherent to teaching. I mean, I, again, I, I, well, shoot, that's what we're talking about, right? Like I certainly with us, we always say, uh, uh, see one, do one, teach one. That's okay. one of our methodologies. Yeah. Right. And so, so at the end of the day, that's the, the idea be kind of, kind of being like, 
you know, somebody, somebody sees me do one and then I'm teaching one. Right. So like, like I, 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 I've done it as well. And so, um, what am I saying here? So yeah. So like by virtue of teaching, like you, you have to model behaviors, uh, particularly when it comes to, I guess, hands-on things. Right. Uh, and so maybe that's maybe less applicable to what I'm, we're talking about here. Although, but it, yeah, anyway. Um, so one of the other things I want to point out too, so Titus one, eight, it says rather he must be, Oh, sorry. When referring to, to, um, uh, elders, rather he must be hospitable. One who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And so, I mean, there's just this theme that there's these attributes that we're expecting leaders to have. And so it's like elders. Oh, okay. So the older men that we're talking about in verse one of chapter two, like these are the same people. And so again, it's the idea of these are what, these are the behaviors we're looking for in leaders, right? We need you to get that set up and you can do that by modeling those behaviors. Um, okay. So we're going to take a little bit of a pivot here. Okay. Got it. Pivot away. Pivoting. So one of the other verses that this references in here is James 3.1. So we can kind of turn over there. Okay. And I thought this is interesting because we've been there before. Oops, I skipped it. Taming the tongue. Yeah. We've definitely been here before, right? And so James 3.1 says, why don't you read it because I'm obviously having trouble. Not many of you should presume to become teachers, my brothers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So let's kind of think about that in the context of what we're talking about here. Like, how, how does that apply? Well, so if somebody is, is in this teaching role, I mean, there's some level of authority, at least. I mean, it might not be mm-hmm. ultimate authority or final authority, but there's there's some there. Like, you've got some authority. Right. But not final. I mean, but you're still under authority yourself, mm-hmm. and and same thing with me. Yeah. Um. So if if we're if we're in that role and we're saying, hey, th- there are some things that I, that I know how to do, and I'm in a position where I get to, or I'm supposed to show you how to do these things so that you can do them too. Well, then you, you you're kind of, you're, you're you're out there. So, you know, and, and so, so if you're, if you or I or whoever happens to be setting an example that doesn't accord with what we're teaching, well, you know, like that's, that's obvious. Like we're, we're going to be judged more strictly because we are saying that we know how to do stuff. Right. And, but I, I guess when I've read this in the past, I've thought more along the lines and I don't know, tell me if this is what you're saying. I thought more along the lines of if I'm a teacher and I'm teaching the wrong thing, right? Like let's say I'm teaching something that's not biblical and I'm teaching this to other people and then they go on and believe this thing, like I'm going to answer for that. And so I need to sure. make sure what I'm teaching is sound. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, I think it has a has a, a worldly aspect and a heavenly aspect. Right. So then I guess the other thing I was thinking, maybe maybe this is more along the lines of what you're saying. But like let's go back to your example of kids who don't like writing and teachers who don't model that, mm-hmm. who else is judging them? Who who else is judging the teachers? Yeah. Well, the the students, yeah, parents, administrators. Ultimately, I guess you could say the state, somewhat indirectly via test scores. Right. Um, now whether or not teachers are, uh, to, to what extent teachers are held accountable for test scores is kind of varies. 
so I, I think the, the first thing I'm thinking of is what you said, the students, because I guarantee in some way, some form, you know, you've probably heard this before, and maybe it's something like this. It's like, yeah, Mrs. Smith is kind of like not a good teacher. I like Mr. Adams because, you know, like he actually does the stuff he's telling us to do. I mean, isn't that, is not that not a form of judgment? Yeah, 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 it, it absolutely is. I mean, it's like the judgment of, you know, popular reputation. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, can be a real thing. Um, so, I, like, I, I do know, you know, from students and parents that, that those those conversations happen. You know, yeah. they don't really happen around me right. so much. But there are also other ones that happen, like, well, I like Miss Smith because she doesn't make us do anything. <laughs> yeah. And I really don't like Mr. Right. Adams because, like, we have to do stuff. Yeah. And we really have no excuse. Like, we, we, we could, what is it? Uh, we really, oh shoot, I got to go back to first Timothy. We really can't say anything to oppose him because he does all the stuff he's asking us to do, you know? Right. So, um, yeah. So any, anytime <laughs> you're, you're dealing with popular opinion, you have to kind of weigh it against w- what the source is. Well, so here's kind of where I'm going with this, right? Because this is also kind of something we've talked about before. So I'm going to start with the question. We'll play a little guess what's in my pocket, and then I'll tell you what I'm thinking, right? Keys. Okay. (laughs) No. Facts. Okay. What might you call someone that doesn't lead by example? So they rather... Hypocrite. Right. So, interestingly enough, James 3.1 references Matthew 23.1-13. Let's go to that. Got it. Which, man, I think we've been here before. Uh, You know, that's fine. It's where the Holy Spirit's leading us. Oh, yeah. Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. Mm-hmm. So let's read. I'll read. I haven't read yet. 1 through 13. Here we go. 23, 1 through 13. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Hmm practice what you preach if i was to uh, you know a synonym to that might be lead by example yes right they do not practice what they preach they tie up heavy cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them everything they do is done for people to see they make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues they love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructor, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be servants, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so, I mean, again, like you said, so... Oh, were you going to read 13 too? Oh, did I, I? Sorry. Yeah, I meant to finish out that. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will those, uh, nor we let those enter who are trying to. Yeah, and so I want to end there because we get, because if you hadn't guessed hypocrite, then we would know the answer, right? <laughs> yeah. But so again, it's interesting because again, so we segued from, again, this is just following the choose your own adventure of Bible verses in the study Bible. We segued from Titus where we're talking about leading by example to James 3.1 where we're talking about 
teachers are judged more strictly to the Pharisees and them not practicing what they preach. And so, again, I guess it's a pretty straight line. It's a pretty straight line. And and again, I, I think it's just, it's just true that effective leaders lead by example. And that's how you get results. Yes. In in every aspect. I mean, like what's what is a what is a situation where one person has authority over another where that wouldn't be good? I mean, think of parenting. Think about preachers, elders, politicians. Okay, l- l- let me add w- w- one thing there, though. Okay. Um, so I, I think that, that that everything that we've been talking about is is good and true when it comes to the priorities of those who do have any level of authority over over anybody, or even somebody who who actually has. No, I mean, like this 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 applies all to like you know a private you know fresh off the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, you you lead by example. You know, you do what you're supposed to do to the best of your ability, and and that that has a profound impact, first of all, on yourself and your own character, and 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 that's something that can have a have a positive force. Mm-hmm. What it's not is an excuse for anyone who is under authority to denigrate who the one who has the authority Mm -hmm. you know so so let's say that my english teacher did a terrible job Mm -hmm. and and didn't lead by example so that means i get to write fragments for the rest of my life (laughs) right no (laughs) or uh or or my preacher um let's say had an affair and the church busted up mm-hmm. over it. So, like, I, I really don't have to go to church anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, he didn't lead by example. And he was a hypocrite. So, like, I'm I'm off the hook. Um, You know, I, shoot, I, I, I had a had a point. Um, well, so <laughs> while, while you're thinking of that, let me yeah. let me, I guess, counter with this. In a perfect world, it's easy, right? Children will bury parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, right? Yeah. And and the counter to that is fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, <clears throat> right? And, and and all the other commandments that would, would explain the proper conduct of parents, right? Um that's a I think that's perfect scenario, right? And so it becomes tricky because how do you honor your father and mother and or obey your parents when they are doing things or telling you to do things that are sinful? Right. Right. Um, yeah, that's tough. I don't know. Like case, yeah, so by, I, case by case basis, ideally they're setting the right example and modeling the behaviors that they want from you. And, and man, like that's the other thing. Like I, I've told my kids this and I, again, something I've, I think that maybe this is a sign of maturity on my part. Right. Cause I mean, my parents are fallible. How about yours? Right? Yeah. Uh, that's why at the end of the day, I'm not the standard of conduct for my children. Jesus is right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, I do know some people and I, I don't want to say any names. Um, that's probably good. Yeah. Just because I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I know some you know, sinners. How, Let me start how far <laughs> rattle them off. Well, I'm, I, I actually have like kind of righteous people in mind. Oh, okay. 
here, but like I know a couple of people who are better parents than the parenting they received. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the the less than stellar parenting that these people received actually inspired them to be the parents that, that they weren't. Oh man, 100%. Like, you know? Oh yeah. I, or or like Band of Brothers, you know, think about those guys under Sobel. Mm-hmm. You know, Sobel was terrible, but it they you know, they they, they overcame the uh the lack of leadership and even sort of had to be in like I guess you could say lawfully insubordinate. Right. Since they presented themselves before the the proper authority. Listen, every leader teaches you something. Yeah. Some people teach you what to do and others teach you what not to do. Right? Yeah. And we see that in the Bible, right? Like, sure. Like let's look at a uh a David versus a I don't know, Saul. I, I don't know. Is that a good example? Well, I mean, D- David. I mean, David just, is both. Just David in different point, yeah. points of his life. Kill giant. Yes, good example. Good example. Kill the giant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, kill the gal's husband, with whom you would like to hook up. Don't. Bad do idea. That. Don't. Don't do that. Not. Not right example. Right. Whether Bad you're example. king or not the king, like just don't. Yeah. Avoid that. Did, so did you make your point that you're trying I to did. Okay, I cool. Did. So so here's where I'm going to kind of wrap this up, I guess. I mean, we can go as long as you want to and keep talking about it, but I'm, I'm running well, out. We of, are unlimited. I'm running out of notes is all I'm saying, <laughs> right? So when we look at this thing with the, the Pharisees, though, again, um, <clears throat> realizing that I think these are truths that transcend time and they just are true and, and not that there weren't examples of this, like there weren't good people. Um, I mean, like, you know, I want to think that maybe – and maybe this is just because this is how the chosen depicts him. But like maybe Nicodemus is a, an example of what a good Pharisee might have looked like, you know? Yeah, there there had to have been a few good Pharisees that loved God, right? Yeah, and wanted good for the Jewish people. But at the same time, like going back to our definition of or our, this idea of direct and indirect means of influence, like what do you think the Jewish people were more accustomed to, kind of based on what we read through here? You know, mm-hmm. like it, it kind of seems like there's a lot more compliance and maybe less commitment sometimes. How about this? One of the things that really stuck out about Jesus when he started teaching was that he taught like unlike the scribes and Pharisees, he taught as one who had authority. Yeah. So it's like, OK, so how does he have authority? Well, he must know what he's talking about and he must live what he's talking about. Yep. So that th- there was some congruity there so there's a guy uh that passed away in my company um well my old company and uh you know when the anniversary of these guys deaths come around we all get together and you know have a, a little bit of a, a moment of like remembrance and all that yeah um and so anyways this guy one of the things that we that was said about him is one of the things that he, one of his sayings was uh um i'll let other people talk the talk i'll walk the walk Mm-hmm. You know, and I always thought that was interesting. I think that's, well, I mean, I guess Jesus both talked the talk and walked the walk, but he certainly walked the walk, you know? So here's what I kind of want to, I guess, kind of wrap that up with, though, is this idea of maybe what the Jews uh, and the people of the first century were accustomed to and then what it was was to become. So if you can turn to Luke 26, 46 through 47, and then I'm going to read Hebrews 13, 17. Um, Right after you read that. Just 46 and 47? Yeah. Okay. Hold on, let me get to where I'm going. 
What did I say? Hebrews 13, 17. Wait, wait, wait. Luke 26? Luke 20. Oh, okay. 46 through 47. Luke 20. Okay, 46 through 47. And again, I, this might be, I don't know, maybe I, I'm making an unfair representation of, you know, life under the Pharisees and Sadducees, but I just thought this was an interesting dichotomy. So go ahead and read yours. While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They love to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. Right. So in Hebrews, I'm going to read 13, 7 and then 7 and 8, and then also 17. It says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then 17. <clears throat> Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be joy, not a burden. For what would be of benefit to, for that would be of benefit to you. Hmm. So it's just interesting this what Jesus was contending with, right? And this 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 centuries of tradition and what I think we we've probably talked about before being like uh, a, a uh, maybe a legitimate or um, what's the word I'm looking for a legitimate desire to you know please God and then maybe it just became legalistic. Yeah, probably so. Right. And and so he's contending with that and then and then what it would go to become through people like Titus and Timothy and Paul modeling these I'll say Christ-like behaviors and we get to where it, it, we go from hey like do what these guys say but don't do what they do because they aren't walking the walk mm -hmm. to have confidence in your leaders, submit to their authority, like be like your leaders, you know. Right, right, right because at at that point, there were leaders who were, who were Christ-like, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and that's, and you know that that's what Jesus was doing with his disciples. Right. You know, he was discipling them. He was he was leading mm -hmm. by. I mean, he he was leading in all the ways that people ought to be led and and taught. He was he was showing them direct things. He was using analogies. He was telling stories. He was doing direct teaching. He was giving direct commands, mm -hmm. performing miracles. I mean, like everything. Yeah. You know, for three ish years, and but then even even all of that actually wasn't sufficient. Mm -hmm. Which like this maybe this is just occurring to me, but even after three or so years with Christ, you know, every day probably seeing everything or most things that were going on the the church didn't begin until christ sent the holy spirit mm. among them mm -hmm. because it, you know i we might not have have time or, or the the preparation to do it tonight but to think about the significance of of the holy spirit in christian praxis mm -hmm. because i mean clearly if the disciples couldn't like actually enact the the teachings of Christ and the example of Christ and you know b begin the expanding the the church and and developing leaders just on the teachings of Christ alone but had to wait mm -hmm. you know those those 40 days until Pentecost 
Yeah. And and the the coming of the Holy Spirit, like it seems like maybe we need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, like I, I know that we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but maybe that's just a a, a topic for for another time. Yeah. Just suffice it to say, um, you know, and I, I pray this sometimes for the for the Holy Spirit to be active among us because the scriptures say that the Holy Spirit will remind us of everything that Jesus taught. Well, I mean, you, you've heard me kind of <clears throat> toy with this thought experiment before, and I guess I'll say it again because I was thinking about it again today while I was on a treadmill. Like, although I think God is capable of zapping us with knowledge, ability, Holy Spirit, whatever, right? I also feel like like, maybe maybe we stimulate, maybe we, what, what is it, the wording you just used? Maybe we get the Holy Spirit active in us by using this oh yeah yeah I'm, I'm not suggesting anything to the to the contrary of that it just seems like that there's this this additional um aspect that comes into play not with not without the scriptures or apart from them i mean like i don't think that happens if you're mm-hmm. just like well you know all i need is the holy spirit like i don't need that old dusty book it's like well <laughs> the holy spirit would never tell you that yeah you know right um it's it's more th- that I guess as you are in it habitually mm-hmm. that that there's this something that 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 comes from the Lord like that the, there are realizations that occur within within the text in keeping with it mm-hmm. that breathes life into it and into us in such a way that it's it's not simply an academic thing right it's not less than academic no. Like and that that's where I think you know some people have have gone wrong. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's it's beyond that. Man, like again, things we don't have time for, but something I've been thinking about, still working through. Oh, actually, this was on her podcast, Alyssa Childers' book. I was still working through, but I, this on her podcast, she made a great point about knowledge <laughs> and. Um, I'll just say this: one of the things she said that was interesting is remember. It, we told we we say that we love the Lord God with our all our heart, soul, and mind and yeah, strength. Th- there's actually a, a book called "Love the Lord Your God with All Your Mind" I, by um oh what's his name? I think it's a uh, Summit Ministries guy. Mm-hmm. My mom's got it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, she highly recommended it. Sorry. Back back to your point. Well, that, I guess that that was my point though. Is like, well, well, to your point, there are some people that I think are really good at loving the Lord with their heart and their soul, but they aren't doing the intellectual work that they need to do. And I, and I suppose we could definitely, I man, I have a pretty good analogy for this and I don't want to, I don't want to share it now, but like, I, and I've talked about this before where we have some people that will just go too far in either direction, right? Mm-hmm. There's some people who always just want to get into the Greek and be super academic and it's not accessible to some people. And then there's some people who's like, I just believe. And it's like, until you don't, because you don't really have anything to, uh, yeah maybe substantiate that is that you or me oh man that's embarrassing is that you it's you oh justin's phone again oh man that that's that's an old friend calling <laughs> man i wish that we could just bring him up on the podcast yeah man why can't we have callers we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> all right so i'll kind of try and uh i had i had a thought i'm gonna wrap it into my final thoughts okay and, or do you want to go first you want me to go first what? you go first okay give you a chance to develop something so at the end of the day, like, I'm pretty passionate about leadership, but I think for good reason, um, 
I would say leader leadership is centric to to life. You know, again, if you want to be a good parent, an aspect of that is being a good leader. Um, same thing in in the church and, and and in your job and so on and so forth. And and so, and it, it's just true that modeling the behaviors you desire is is centric is is centric to to that good leadership. And there's many other things that that apply, but I think that's you know one of the more important ones. And so what I'm thinking about here is again, direct and indirect means of influence. Although on the one hand, Jesus can say to somebody, go find us somewhere to celebrate the Passover. Yes, rabbi, right? One of the last things he did was wash their feet, mm-hmm. you know? And so, uh, although there is application for both, I think we all know like which one is more effective. There's no example better than Jesus. Is that your final thought? Yeah. Good. That's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. Would you like to close us in prayer? Sure. All right. Father, in in the name of Jesus, thank you for uh, these scriptures and, and getting to to talk about them. I pray that you'd bless anyone who, who happens to, to listen to this. And I pray that they would be encouraged to, to talk to you and to, to read your word. And, um, yeah, that, that more than anything that, that we've said or, or talked about, I pray that they would, they would be encouraged to, to know you. And so help us to do that too. And I pray that, that your Holy Spirit would be active in, in us and among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And now I'll casually make my way over to the computer. And episode 23 is about five seconds away from being a wrap. I really just need to like get a remote mouse. Maybe maybe next time we could both get a lot closer to the microphones and treat this as a as an NPR, NPR. interview. Right. I am Justin Adams for NPR News. <laughs>